Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, the spirit of giving. Yes, it's that time of the year. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Especially at this time of the year, individuals like us and businesses are pressured to help the local less fortunate. How? With donations, the easy stuff. Cash, clothing, food, toys, and we all know giving feels good. It really does. But I'm going to propose that it could feel even better if your company expands its generosity way beyond what I call the local radar to impact positive social change around the world. You're sitting there and asking me, but how? I'll tell you. By supporting nonprofits and NGOs, and we'll explain that later, through localized company-sponsored giving and volunteer campaigns around the globe. Yes, people volunteering to help. What a thought. These can include monetary grants, software, curriculum donations, tech solutions, and employee volunteer hours. Are you ready to learn more? I've got an extraordinary panel. They're smart, been there, done that. They know what they're talking about. Let me tell you the question. They sent me before the show, and then we'll meet them in just a moment. First up on the panel would be Akhtar Badshah from Microsoft, and he says, passion is overrated. Whoa, hit me now. Mobilizing and powering social change requires far more than the passion of an individual and the simplistic notion of a technology solution. Sounds like very, very important words here. We'll have Akhtar explain that in just about two minutes. Then moving on, also on our panel today is Chris Warman from TechSoup. I have to find out how he named the company. And here's his quote, very interesting. Thanks in large part to the communicative reality of the Internet and the community-building abilities of social media, we're witnessing the rapid decentralization and democratization of authority. Reconciling this shift to less formal yet powerful citizen-driven models with traditional civil society keeps me up at night. Well, we don't want Chris Warman staying up at night, so we'll have to find out how we can cure that problem. And then rounding out the panel from SAP is Nish Pengali, and she quotes Minor Myers Jr. We'll find out who that is in a couple minutes. The quote is, go into the world and do well, but more importantly, go into the world and do good. And that has to do with our spirit of giving. So join us for more insights on tech donations, transforming NGOs and NPOs, part one. Welcome. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you're counting, I think we're up to episode number 113. And if you're interested, we are live today. It's Wednesday, December 4th, 2013, hurtling toward the holidays very, very quickly. Let me introduce my panel. Let's find out why they're here today. First up is Akhtar Badshaw. He's a senior director of Microsoft Citizenship and Public Affairs, where he administers the company's global community investment and employee programs. Since 1983, take notes, kids, Microsoft and its employees have provided over $4.6 billion, with a B, billion in cash, services and software to nonprofits around the world. Among his responsibilities, Akhtar manages the philanthropic elements of Microsoft's Youth Spark. That's a global initiative designed to help youth into opportunities through training, employment, and even helping them start their own ventures. By the way, Akhtar is an architect by training, and he has a doctoral degree from MIT, and he co-authored the book Technology at the Margins, How IT Meets the Needs of the Emerging Markets. Akhtar Bachaw, welcome. How are you today? 
I'm very good. Thank you very much for inviting me to be on this panel. I really appreciate it. We're delighted to have you. Where are you calling from? Is it good old Seattle? It is good old and cold Seattle, but it is sunny. I bet it is. Little fact, not too many people know, my former father-in-law was one of the designers or the designer and the owner of the Space Needle. But that's wow. another, con- yeah, that's another conversation. Little bit of Graham history there. Okay, thank you for joining me, Akhtar. Let's move on to Chris Warman. Chris is based in Eastern Europe since 2006. He's the Director of Program Development for TechSoup. And he's been exploring new and creative ways of approaching social change through technology. Perhaps most interesting, says Chris, has been the project of localizing TechSoup's challenge model, which sources innovative social benefit technologies. Since 2010, here's a good statistic, more than 400,000 individuals have visited challenges sites. Approximately 3 million have been reached through social media. 1,000 ideas have been pitched. 60 have been selected, built, and launched and mentored. Wow. He's also a board member of Grantmakers East Forum, and he speaks on citizen-driven movements, NGO, and social enterprise development, on and on and on. Chris Warman, welcome. How are you? Doing well. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Where are you calling from today, Chris? Calling in from London today, Silicon Roundabout. (laughs) Well, that's a new one. Tell me the weather. You know we want to know. Horrid. (laughs) Well, we've never had that word on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Can you get a little more descriptive, please? Well, it's London sunshine. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Chris, thanks for joining us. And rounding out the panel, as I said, is Nish Pengali. She's the head of technology for SAP's Corporate Social Responsibility Organization. Those of you who like acronyms, that's CSR. We know what that is. We've covered it many times on the show. Nish's focus is on driving technology solutions and initiatives to the global NPO and NGO sector. She started her career in the nonprofit sector, consulting on education reform initiatives. After returning to school to get her MBA... She continued developing her business and leadership skills at several Bay Area companies, including SAP. She has presented at conferences and featured blogs on the SCN, SAP, SCN community. Nish, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining, and thanks for putting this panel together, Nish. Very appreciated. Tell me where where you're calling from and what's the weather? I am calling from sunny but surprisingly cold Palo Alto, California this morning. Okay, well, I think you and I are sharing sunshine and cold. I'm on Long Island, New York, and it's gorgeous out, but I think a little nose out the window will say it's quite cold. Thank you for calling, Nish. Okay, let's go back into our opening quotes and find out what you all meant. We're going to start with Akhtar Badshaw from Microsoft. You say, passion is overrated. Those are fighting words, Akhtar. You say, mobilizing and powering social change requires far more than passion of an individual and the simplistic notion of a technology solution. Talk to me. What are you saying here, Akhtar Badshaw? Well, again, once again, good morning to everybody and good afternoon for those that are on the other side of the pond. Um, You know, from my perspective, when I talk to people, everybody comes to me and says, you know, I'm passionate to bring about change. And my question to them is that if you're so passionate, why have you not already done it? What are you waiting for? So I would like people to actually look at that it requires more than a self-interest. It requires a set of skills. You've Ah. got to have the capacity. You've got to have the commitment. 
you've got to have the clarity of vision. So in some ways, you really need a set of skills that will allow you to undertake what you seek to do. You are going to fail in some form or the other. You will need to be unreasonable in some ways so that you can actually continue to pursue a path. And you will have to be a quick learner so that you learn from your failures, you take input. But the most important thing to me is that instead of just passion, one needs to have compassion. And that's really how you make social change, is to go beyond the self and to think about the community at large. So I think that's really where I come from. And then once you have that, then I think you are able to use the tools at your disposal to bring about positive change. And technology is just one bow in your arsenal of what you need to be able to undertake. Akhtar, are we talking about individuals comprising a company or an organization? Are you keeping it at the one-to-one level? I want to be clear on, on what you're saying here. I am keeping it at the one-to-one level as okay. an individual. But even if you look at it as a collective, I, for one, in the space of social development, just take it for granted that people are passionate. But to me, it is actually very important that we start understanding whether we have the skill sets, the right knowledge, or the ability to gain the knowledge. So if you're going to go out, just take me for an example. I'm an architect by training. I mean, you know, if I mm-hmm. had to go and say, you know, I want to go save lives and I want to do, all, you know, I'm passionate. I want to go into a village and I want to do operations. If I don't have the skill sets, there is no way I'm going to operate on anybody. So oh. it really needs to be very clear that people need to have the skill sets required to take on what they may choose or have a desire to do. And I find that in many cases today, especially with young people, they all come into this field, you know, passionate about making social change without really understanding what it takes and how difficult it is and how long a commitment it is. And I think that's the message I want to get across. Thank you very much. Good explanation. Let's move to Chris Warman from TechSoup. Chris, long quote you sent me, but the guts of it is, what's keeping you up at night in terms of the communicative reality, as you call it, of the Internet and community-building abilities of social media? Why don't you tell me in your own, other own words, Chris Warman, go ahead. I think from a lot of the work that we're doing out Outside of the U.S., outside of more, let's say, traditional Western, I often say Anglo-Saxon civil society realities. So the U.S. is the Canada's, the places where people are raised to be volunteers in certain ways. Mm-hmm. They're raised to think about social change initiatives. You know, it's kind of expected. I remember in high school in Missouri, you know, you had to go volunteer. It was part of your graduation requirement. This sort of thing. Like it's it's ingrained in people. Um, right. Some of those in, in the rest of 
a lot of the rest of the world, where civil society is emerging as a way for people to express themselves and to aggregate around those issues that they find the most needy, the ones that need to be solved to improve their quality of life. Technology is providing this amazing enabling role. I agree with Akhtar that there are certainly skills that are needed to build and sustain movements. But now, for one of the first times in human history, you can get online and the ubiquity of mobile and the ubiquity of kind of the social media realities being what it is, pretty much everyone in the world is in a position to begin thinking about getting online. You can find that information. You can learn those skills. There are amazing portals set up to teach those skills. There are people out there willing to help you learn those skills. And even more so, there is the ability in the communicative side to find people who believe as you believe, to get positive reinforcement that your yes. ideas may be something worth fighting for, to build that passion. You know, I have joked that social media isn't going to make you breakfast, but it'll certainly help find at least 10 people who might, maybe 100 people <laughs> that really appreciate the concept of breakfast. And if you put a picture of a cat eating your breakfast, you're probably going to get at least a million friends. But these <laughs> coming well together done. mean that mm -hmm. we can learn and we can communicate and we can test ideas in ways that are much easier than they used to be before we get into a lot of the longer-term skill building. If nobody cares, don't get started. Good, we very good point. Going, going back to passion, I have to tell our listeners that, uh, Chris, I'm wondering how you got from Missouri to Romania, but you brought TechSoup into Romania in 2009, and you launched Romania's first community foundation, and you spent years in the Carpathians establishing social enterprises. How in the world did you get from Missouri to Romania? Quickly, tell us. A couple of flights, one through Munich. Sorry, bad joke. Um, I went with Peace Corps. I, I like got, you already. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Peace Corps. I worked in the States for several years. I'd grown up internationally, USAID family, and ended up uh, joining Peace Corps to continue a family tradition of getting out of the States frequently. <laughs> okay. I never know what to expect from you, Chris. It's delightful to have you on. This is going to be quite a ride. Let's talk to Nish Pengali from SAP. You quote Minor Myers, Jr., and the quote is, go into the world and do well, but more importantly, go into the world and do good. Nish, you're the one who, I believe, brought us this topic, tech donations, enabling social change, giving to NGOs and MPOs. So first tell me, who is Minor Myers? Why did you pick the quote? And then let's relate this to our topic today. Go ahead, Nish. Sure. So Minor Myers is a longtime educator who rounded out his career as uh, president of Illinois Wesleyan University, and he ran that school for about 14 years. And interestingly enough, I happened upon this quote some years ago just by reading the paper and then kind of looked into a little bit more about who this man was, was and what he was stood for. And it sort of stuck with me as one that I believe is really easy to relate to personally. Um, so many of us possess that spirit to give back and do our part. And I think both of the speakers today have talked about it from different angles. But I also think that this quote resonates really well for corporations and reflects a, a vantage point I now have sitting in our corporate social responsibility organization. And that's that companies should find ways to not only do well as a business, but to do good. Um, you know, find ways to contribute to social causes, to make a positive impact on people's lives. 
every company, regardless of the sector that you're in, wants to be successful. And I think it's equally important to put your stamp on something that you can really stand behind that contributes positively to the community. And so I, this quote really resonates with me. It's something that I adopt both uh, you know, in the workplace and also in my family life. Thank you, Nish. And now t- talk to us a little bit before we take our break. I'm pushing the break out a little because I want to hear from you. Transforming NGOs and NPOs. What's your, your concept? What's really the theme we're talking about today if we want to get right down to it? NGOs, NPOs, do a definition for us of what they mean today and what's that transformation? What is that all about? Sure, and oftentimes I think some of our speakers will also talk about it a little bit as the social sector at large. Um, but nonprofit organizations and non-government organizations are really the recipients of different types of donations. And Bonnie, I think you set it up really well in the opening comments of our show today. Um, from Thank my you. perspective, you know, we we're looking as a company, SAP, how can we connect in with these organizations? What can we provide to help move the needle, help level the competitive playing field? And that involves, from our perspective, everything from technology donations, which is a focus that I um, kind of hone in on, out Mm -hmm. to volunteering and also leveraging our internal pools of talent out to the community, which is, you know, a bit of a win-win both for the company, for our employee base, and for the nonprofit sector. So I thought it would be fun to bring together a panel of speakers today who I admire and respect a lot and have come to even more so now that I've had a chance to get to know them and read even more about their backgrounds um, and talk a little bit about this concept and how it relates to people who really hold different roles. You know, Akhtar and I have somewhat of a similar role sitting on the corporation side, and I think Chris really is able to talk about something very unique and different um, from the community itself. So I thought it would be a fun topic for us to have today, and I appreciate you putting us all together. Oh, I'm delighted. I want to tell you that our engineer, Brad, just says he hopes when he moves into his career after finishing college, he can work with people with the values all three of you clearly have. That's a very nice compliment. These, Interestingly enough, the engineer actually listens to the shows because we bring on such interesting guests and such great topics. Nish, I have one question for you before we go to break, please. The question is, we talked about the individual, and that was where Akhtar focused, and Chris was talking more about communities, I believe. But, Nish, when it comes to a big company... SAP, Microsoft, any company, very large, does it have to come as a, pardon the word, directive from top management, you will volunteer, you will participate, or does it have to come from people on an individual basis, maybe creating their own little communities or groups or pools of volunteers, hey, let's go do this on our summer break, or, so where does it come from, Nish, both ends or one or the other, please? My personal philosophy on that is a little bit of both ends, and and that may be just reflecting on my own career path and how I've been able to play both sides of that. Um, So I think that, you know, if I look at our organization, where it stands today, and some of the different groups that I'm working with, there really is a sense of both. We have a very strong top talent community here in Palo Alto, specifically, and there's a lot of individuals who are spearheading initiatives and bringing ideas to me and saying, you know, we'd like to work with these organizations in this way, or have you thought about us actually helping in X, Y, and Z areas because you're already making a significant contribution to that organization. I also think then there's a level of top-down and even corporate social responsibility team directives where we look at what SAP provides to the community at large and where we think we can have the most positive impact. You can't do everything well, um, so we're trying to figure out you know where specifically can we make the biggest impact. And I think when the two forces come together, then you have the most harmony. 
Thank you, Nish. Great. You know what? You've taken us up to our break. We went all the way to 21 after because I didn't want to interrupt this good flow. We're talking today to Akhtar Badshah from Microsoft, Chris Borman, TechSoup in horrid London, Ooh, and Nish Pengali in sunny Palo Alto from SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. We are live. We hope you won't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're listening because we've got a lot more on today's very important topic. I'll just shorten it to transforming NGOs and MPOs, making social change happen in the spirit of giving. We'll be right back right after this break. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are, and it's time to find out what my guests are drinking today. Let's start off with Akhtar Badshaw from Microsoft. What's in your cup, or what do you wish was in your cup? Akhtar, go ahead. So, I'm a tea drinker. I... Brew my tea in the morning. I, you know, am Indian by birth, so I like to make my own tea. I use Lipton tea. I brew it. I put in some cinnamon and cardamom in it and put in a bit of of milk, and that's my only beverage that I have for the day. I that sounds delicious. Say. It sounds, Akhtar, it sounds a little bit like uh, what they're calling chai spice tea now, which I believe also has cinnamon and cardamom in it. So do you put any sweetener in it or just you take it straight? High test, as we like to call it. Uh, no, I put a uh, little bit of sugar in it. Uh, uh, that's what I was looking for, the secret ingredient. Cinnamon and sugar are a very good combination in the spirit of giving. Give yourself some sweetness of the holiday. Wonderful. Thank you. Chris Warman in London with questionable weather. What's the favorite drink of you and maybe your colleagues at TechSoup? Is there such a thing, Chris? I don't know that I would speak to everyone in the organization and what they might like to be drinking right now. Personally, I was down the road here at a funny little coffee shop uh, that – serves fantastic coffee. They take a lot of pride in it. And funny enough, it was the first time in my life after nearly eight years out of the U.S. that I became self-conscious when ordering a tall Americano. 
<laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> so, so was it the best tall Americano in your cup ever? I would say so. Okay. We had a, a funny story I'll share with all of you. We had a guest on the show about two months ago, and I asked her what, she, what her favorite drink was, and she said she was Australian. She and her husband made their first visit to the U.S. They went to Starbucks, and they looked up at the board to order the menu board, and they couldn't understand any of the language. And in Australia, they have a completely different set of descriptions for ordering coffee at Starbucks. It was something like a tall white and a short black, all kinds of interesting, I'll leave that alone, interesting descriptions. Well, and the same panel, the fourth guest, I asked her, what's in your cup? What are you drinking? She said she's American, and she and her husband had recently made a trip to, you got it, Australia. And they went to Starbucks, and they looked up on the board, and they couldn't understand anything either. And it was such a funny story because exactly what you're saying, Chris, came up in that conversation. It's like, what are we really talking about here? I think a little self-consciousness as well. Thank you, Chris. Nish Pengali, what are you drinking today? Well, I'm still chuckling about uh, Chris's Americana. <laughs> <laughs> We get it. I, uh, I happen to enjoy a, a similar cup of chai on the weekends as Akhtar. On the weekdays, though, when I'm usually rushing out the door and uh, juggling everything from dropping my son at daycare to uh, making sure I have the mat- same pair of shoes, the matching shoes on, um, I do love my cup of coffee. And uh, lately, um, I've been trying my hand at the by-the-cup method where you sort of grind your uh-huh. beans coarse and then allow the water to steep over and ending up with one really strong cup. I'm still working on my per- perfect cup. I've been using uh, Illy coffee beans, which I do love, and my husband actually came home the other day with a bag of Phil's Tesora, uh, which is Ooh. where I first experienced this type of coffee, and it sparked this interest to try the new method. So I hope to return to part two of the series and report that I have perfected my cup. And I'm you will. My, uh, you have a couple coffee. of weeks. That's right. You have a couple of weeks. You're coming back on part two. I forgot to tell everybody this is part one. We have two more guests joining Nish in January on the same topic. So thank you, Nish. Glad to get to know you, all of you, a little bit better than just on paper. Appreciate that. So let's get started with our roundtable. And I think we're going to go all the way through till 50 after. We're not going to take a halfway break because we're just about there. So we're going to go all the way up to 50 after that gives us oh let's see 20 minutes to talk which is great because we have a lot to say so let's start off with actar let's focus back on technology because we called this episode tech donations so let's take it to the point of technology which is not an individual but individuals obviously are involved in deciding what gets donated and how it gets donated and the impact and a side note actar chris and nish i googled technology donations just out of curiosity before the show, just to see what came up. And wouldn't you know, TechSoup.org was number one. Uh, Technology for Good Microsoft came up right after it, and a lot more TechSoup listings came up. But I was just interested in finding out how big a topic this is, and obviously it's very, very powerful, especially at this time of the year. So, Akhtar, talk to us about technology, donating tech. Who does it? What exactly do they donate? How do you know what technology an entity or a community or a neighborhood or an NGO or an NPO, how do you know what they need? Talk to me, Akhtar. Great. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, next mm-hmm. time, please Bing it rather than Google it so that you will actually get a better search result and put okay. Microsoft on top, but not... I, uh, I, sit, I sit corrected. Not to worry. <laughs> not to worry. But, um, uh, I mean, I think, you know, Chris is right, that technology 
and the way technology has changed over the last 10 years. I still remember carrying big machines into villages not so long ago and setting them up so that kids could have access to the latest information. We were carrying floppy drives. We were then carrying disks and mm-hmm. putting information on it so people can look at it. And it was a black and white CRT screen. And we all felt great about it. Mm-hmm. Today, you can actually walk in with your phone and you can provide that same information. So technology has moved so fast. And one of the challenges that we find in the nonprofit sector is they are just not able to keep up to pace. To a mm. large extent, most funders are not providing them with adequate resources to upgrade their technology, so they work with very limited resources. Of course, they want to spend most of their hard-earned donation money to have impact on the ground rather than buying equipment. Mm-hmm. So technology donations become very critical, and as a company, you know, we donate our technology to over 70,000 nonprofit organizations every year. We do that in partnership with TechSoup. They are our largest partner that actually distributes this technology to nonprofit organizations mm. around the world. And what it is doing is that it is allowing nonprofits to function effectively to do what they need to do. Let me just give you one example. We partnered with an organization in the UK, and since Chris is sitting there, it is really an organization that is focused on missing and exploited children. And, you know, they basically get a call from a kid who is in trouble. They get a call from a parent trying to locate a kid. They get a call from a police person. And all of this previously was going to separate individuals and being hand-recorded, which essentially meant that nobody really knew that it was the same kid people were talking about. Hmm. But now with technology, where kids are no longer calling, they're texting, they're putting information up on social media, you can take all of this information and can triangulate it to figure out exactly what is going on with a particular individual and therefore mobilize to help that person and which essentially means saving lives. Mm -hmm. Scotland Yard uses technology to figure out pedophiles and they were able to actually just zoom into a label on a sofa, the tag that is there. And from that, figure out where that sofa was sold, where the house was and rescue a nine-year-old. So technology today plays a very important role in driving change, and that is why I think it is very important for us to keep that in mind as we look at how do we provide resources to nonprofit organizations, both technology, capacity building, training, so that they can be top-notch in any service that they want to provide. Thank you, Akhtar. Great thoughts. I want to move to Chris Warman. Chris, do you want to comment on anything that Akhtar said because you were part of that conversation? And then I'm going to read one of your discussion points you sent me and have you talk about that. But first, please address what Akhtar shared. I would very much agree with so much of what Akhtar said. Technology, again, being the enabler that it is, it's a set of tools 
tools that if they're provided with some good support, some good knowledge, can really help organizations solve whatever that social ill is that they're trying to solve. Okay, and that was the beginning of what I was going to ask you to talk about, Chris. Technology, you told me, technology is enabling the entire social innovation space, allowing much more organic and customer-centric design, which may lead to more relevant social change and better understanding about what change actually means. What's in the context of TechSoup? What kind of change, improvement, enhancement, forward-looking thinking are you trying to achieve around the world, Chris? Well, on one side, as Oktar mentioned, we have very deep partnerships with people like Microsoft, with people like SAP. We actually work with 90 IT firms in supporting civil society with their products. We're an intermediary. We help distribute high-quality, supported, secure, safe technologies to NGOs. We've worked now with nearly 600,000 NGOs in 58 countries, meeting a lot of their basic technology needs. Once they have it, then comes the question of what to do with it. Um, So this is certainly one piece. When we start getting into a little bit of the organic, customer-centric side of things, Mm -hmm. technology is certainly opening up in new and different ways, both the softwares themselves, but the communications tools as we're looking at different integrated design. I mean, across the space, you look at hack labs, these kind of funny places where you have brilliant people building new technologies from scratch. You have people doing hackathons. You have people doing code sprints. You have people building new tools to meet local needs. When I talk about customer-centric design, when I talk about a better understanding of what social change actually means, something that we're working on within TechSoup around the world is supporting not just civil society, kind of civil society with a capital C and a capital S, which is most Mm -hmm. often associated with the NPOs and NGOs that Nish was speaking to, but building a more civil society. So using technology and looking at how technology can help a normal person out there look at something and say, you know what, that's really a problem in my life, and there must be a way that we can fix that. Technology in communications terms can, again, help them find the other people in their community or in the global community who might wish to work with them on that, but actually training people to understand, and we do this again with Microsoft and through a number of venues, working with young people to look around their reality and say, you know, that's a pain point for me. That I really don't like. What would, how could technology intervene in solving that through a mobile phone, through a laptop, through data services? What what could we actually do together with technology to fix that? Particular example, we run creative let's say, processes where we ask people, again, very clearly, what would they change through technology? A group of young people in northern Serbia, a small town called Novi Sad, which is a multi-ethnic town. I believe there are six different ethnic communities in that town and a lot of tension, inter-ethnic tension there. A group of young people said, you know, it's really hard for us to walk around our community and see hate speech on the walls. Mm -hmm. Is there a technology where we could point a a phone 
at a particular bit of hate speech graffiti, take a picture, tag that, and share it with the local authorities. Even more so, can we work out a deal with the local authorities to take it down within 48 hours? And if they can't, we want to. We said that sounds like a fantastic idea. It's not a complex technology, actually, but the and this is where we get to the customer-centric design, more, let's say, consumer social change. Mm -hmm. For years and years and years, you would have had a brilliant organization, an Amnesty International, talking about the same thing, but relying on the market dynamic of civil society, which is grants, relying on getting a grant to go build that, which would have taken a lot of time, versus Mm -hmm. here are some kids who just said, that's a problem, let's fix it. They found people like us who can help them serve as an intermediary, work with enabling them with that technology, and they, as a customer of the human experience, can simply get down to business and fix a problem. Okay, thank you. That's what I mean. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Chris. All good to know. Nish, I want to bring you in on this. You you, uh, have an interesting perspective here. We've been talking mostly about the people who are doing the good and making the decisions as well as recognizing the need in communities, in countries, in that NGOs and NPOs might be direct. uh, directing or paying attention to. However, Nish, I want to talk about a a talking point you sent me. You say the nonprofit and NGO sector is just as keen to adopt cutting-edge technology as the for-profit companies. They're thinking about cloud, mobile, and beyond. So, Nish, I pose to you the question, if, if a company, an organization knows that somebody like Chris, like Akhtar, Microsoft, TechSoup, are going to donate something to work with them, would they stand up first and say, hey, we don't just want forgive me, a bunch of mobile phones or some new Macintoshes or some some tablets we can take out in the field. We want the latest. We want the greatest, and that's what we want. Is there a demand on the other side that's saying this is what we really want and we want to be cutting edge, or are they just grateful for whatever you give them? Nish, help me with this. It's interesting. I I think that there can be a a stereotype at times about the social sector and that nonprofit and lack of budget equals contentment with traditional or, you know, quote, any technology. And um, Akhtar brought up an interesting point, which is very true, about the sector also, you know, struggling with budgets, being mindful of wanting to allocate resources that they receive um, to on-the-ground efforts. Um, But oftentimes, I think there's also conversations I've had with some nonprofits, many whose main technology may be spreadsheets or other um, Mm -hmm. more simplistic tools, and they will often tell me that they want to go to the cloud. They want to be able to provide just-in-time updates to the community via mobile devices. Um, they're not interested in, in just a baseline technology. And so um, there have been times where if a more traditional technology or a more traditional deployment model um, is offered as a donation, sometimes they'll say they're not interested. And so, um, you know, this se- sector may have to do more with less, um, but they're very honed in on cutting-edge technology. And where the industry is going overall. Um, and we've also observed that, you know, service providers in the social sector are seeing the same trend. And I've been, been in conversation with uh, many different consulting organizations talking about how can we do more than just donate the software, um, where are there partnerships mm-hmm. that make sense so that we can actually have pools of resources available. And a lot of these organizations are investing in developing the skills and consultative offerings that are very aligned with cloud, mobile, and other cutting-edge technology. 
doesn't necessarily mean that cloud and mobile are the only or the best solution in every case. Um, it always goes back to understanding what problem are you trying to solve and, you know, kind of identifying the best way to address it. But it is interesting, and it's been a bit of a learning curve for me stepping into this role earlier this year um, and kind of putting some stereotypes that I may have had um, today. Thank you, Nish. I want to ask the whole panel, in terms of employee volunteer programs, let's talk about mid-sized companies. Is this gaining in popularity? I know SAP has them. I'm sure Microsoft has them. I know you do, Akhtar. A small to mid-sized company, are they likely to say, okay, we're going to give you two weeks off to go take what our tech solution is and go visit another country and really on the ground with the people, working with organizations, seeing the impact of what we can do to make positive social change. Is this gaining in popularity? Who wants to take that? Let me, let me just start off by, I mean, I, I think that employee volunteerism, at least from U.S.-based companies and in other countries too, because we have a global program, is on the rise. Okay. However... I don't think that people or companies, even mid-sized or small companies, need to actually think about, I need to send somebody abroad to spend two weeks to do this. You can actually volunteer sitting from home. You can actually volunteer in your hometown. You can do it on your own time. You can actually help with the technology. A lot of things you can do today is remote. So I just want our listeners to understand that you can start off getting your employees to volunteer by just starting off. And as your volunteer program grows, then you can add in lots of additional features, which at times can be more costly, particularly if you're going to give people two weeks to go away and do something that does have an impact on the business. So I think that, you know, it is important for people to understand that volunteerism can come in all sorts of different ways, and it is very critical for for you to do that. I actually also just wanted to talk about the cloud, if I may, for one second with what uh, you know, Pingali said. Please do. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are actually seeing that there is a huge demand for the cloud. We just launched our Office 365 for nonprofit organizations in September. And you know, we launched it in over 40 countries, and we've seen a huge demand. Small nonprofit organizations are all coming in and asking because this is a way for them to not only get the latest technology, but also reduce their dependency on really having to worry about their IT infra- infrastructure on premise. And by getting something at no cost or at very minimal cost, really puts them at the cutting edge and allows them to connect in a global fashion. So I think, you know, Pingali is absolutely correct that nonprofits are not just looking for hand-me-downs. They're Ah. looking for give us what you all use because that's how we can become efficient and that's how we can grow. Give us what you all use. Chris Warman, uh, comment on that, please. Give us what you use. Don't give us your hand-me-downs. Very, very picture perfect phrasing by Akhtar. What do you think, Chris? Agree? 
I would say that that is generally the case, yes. There are a mm -hmm. lot of NGOs who are very progressive. Now, we're talking about an enormous market. There are estimates that civil society is up to 10% of global GDP, so we're talking about millions of NGOs. Some of them are certainly early adopters with cloud technologies. They're amazing. They're going to take those on to the best of their abilities. A lot of them are going to need a lot of support to get to the point where they can do that, and some of them simply never will. Backing up a little bit to small and medium-sized companies getting involved mm -hmm. in volunteering, absolutely agree with Akhtar. I would actually say please don't send people overseas. That is a much different commitment. If you want to go abroad, do it. God bless. But really, there's a very long-term commitment rather than simply dropping out of a plane somewhere, having a good time as a volunteer because you mean well, and then going home, having raised expectations that may never be fulfilled. Mm. I would very much agree with Oktar. Keep it at home. Keep it local. Find civil society. We work with a lot of small IT firms to do code sprints, so to partner with NGOs, help them understand and refine a social problem into pieces that are actually kind of usable uh, in technology terms, things that they might use technology to address, and then do code sprints, do weekend projects uh, where they actually try to build these products out. Again, though, this shouldn't be done in a drop-in, raise expectations and leave kind of way. If you're a small mm -hmm. organization out there, a small business with great IT people, make a commitment to actually build an app. It may not take you a long time, but be there to support implementation. And then if you don't want to do that with a local NGO, something I love about working with programmers, getting down to the very personal level, is social change people don't necessarily believe in rules. We think that the world can be a better place, and we're willing to push the agenda to get there. I find programmers to be very much the same way. They don't mm -hmm. necessarily believe in rules. They believe technology can do pretty much anything. We joke sometimes that programmers are people, too. Take your programmers, <laughs> get together over coffee and pizza, and talk about it. Figure out something you might like to change, and build it. Have some fun, but have some fun with a social purpose. Chris, I was a programmer way back in the day, mainframe programmer working in the state of Oregon. And there was, I had some really interesting challenges. Uh, I worked uh, at a, a social, oh, see, it was a, a service bureau supporting the secondary schools in the state of Oregon. And I had to do amazing things with tracking graduation requirements for high school students on something the size of an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, a complete transformation of tracking what they had accomplished and whether they were going to graduate or not. It certainly wasn't something that was uh, in the sense of making social change, but it helped a lot of kids and a lot of parents and teachers and guidance counselors figure it out. Yes, programmers rock. I'm going I'm to go on record as saying that. I miss those days. I really do. Nish, I want to get you in here. We're going to take a break in one minute, but I, uh, something very interesting you told me before the show, we have to talk about this briefly. The secret sauce for CSR, corporate social responsibility, is the intersection of social innovation and causes and business priorities. Is that something we should have on, on the wall or the desk or embroidered on a quilt in the CEO's <laughs> office of every company? Talk to me, Nish. Great point. Just elaborate a little bit before we go to break, please. Sure. Um, you know, I think it's just that beautiful overlap of, of the Venn diagram, so to speak. You can quilt that, where you are able to focus on what your corporate responsibility to the sector will be um, in such a way that really <clears throat> reflects and leverages the company's business strategy. And so whether that's, you know, volunteering activities targeted to a growth market, 
um, some of the exciting initiatives, and I fully agree with what Akhtar and, and Chris have had said so far about volunteering and skills-based volunteering. There certainly is a gamut and a multi-pronged approach um, for a lot of companies, um, but we've also seen, and I've personally seen recently, a lot of individuals even raising their hand, recipients of donations, and saying, you know, I'm interested in contributing. Can I be a mentor in the community now mm-hmm. and actually help encourage other organizations to use this software in this way? I recently had a lawyer who works for a nonprofit organization raise his hand and say, I'd like to be a mentor for SAP Crystal Reports because it's really important for legal aids in my community. How interesting. <laughs> Never would have wow. seen that coming before I joined this no. organization. Um, and so I do think that the, this concept, it's, it's a win-win, um, you know, powering social change, helping the world run better, driving your company forward. Um, it's the same argument for keeping CSR, corporate social responsibility, relevant by aligning with business priorities. It's just a different value proposition. And in this case, it's not necessarily as much about relevance, um, but uh, you know, more about best fit and biggest impact. So kind of brings it full circle back to the Miner Myers quote that I really love, going into the world, doing well, and doing good. Thank you, Nish. Great kicking off point to go to our last break. I'm going to give my guests about 57 seconds to clear your throats. Chris, Akhtar, Nish, run out to the car, the boat, the attic, the basement, wherever you keep the crystal ball. Bring it out fast. Polish it off. I'm going to ask you blue skies or cloudy skies ahead five years from today if we had the same conversation. The spirit of giving tech donations to NGOs and NPOs. We're going to take our final break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. However you're listening, I'm Bonnie D. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, crystal ball predictions time. I can't wait to hear these. What's coming up five years from today if we had the same conversation? Akhtar Badshah, Senior Director of Microsoft Citizenship and Public Affairs. What do you see in the crystal ball? Akhtar, go ahead. We will see, you know, that this conversation is actually going to be moot because Mm. you would have so many people that are out there volunteering and giving back. We are actually seeing this rapid increase. Kids are already doing this in schools. This is actually becoming part of the graduation process. 
We are seeing an increasingly large number of clubs that are being formed in colleges that are all about social giving, giving back, volunteering, going out and doing more social good. And these same folks are actually coming into our companies, and they are expecting that corporations are going to be a place where they will be able to Mm -hmm. continue doing this work. So you are seeing across the board this progression. Then, as Chris said, technology has changed so much that today there are different ways in which you can contribute and give back. You know, you can tweet, you can fundraise through Facebook, you have mobile giving, you know, kids are doing all sorts of different ways in which they are collectively coming together and forming different groups. Yesterday was Giving Tuesday. It was a day that was started last year in recognition of, hey, there is Giving Monday, let's do, I mean, there is, you know, the online Monday for shopping, let's do Giving Tuesday. Mm -hmm. It was a record breaker. It was a record breaker. It's the 24 hours have not yet completed because it will complete in a minute or two. And we've seen this enormous amount of young people coming from all over the world contributing. So I would see that we would not be having this conversation because this would just be such a given thing for all of us. Thank you very much, Akhtar. And the word I, I heard, if you even didn't say it, is the subtext is it's exciting. It's fun. It's something you can do with your friends. Add value. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Get online and do it. Be part of something bigger than yourself. Chris Warman, predictions, go. I would very much support what Akhtar said. I think that there is going to be a shift, and the shift has begun, as you said, you know, get on if you're online, you know, don't just talk about it, do something and mm-hmm. don't just be a troll, actually change something. I believe that we see this shift in young people today starting to take ownership and starting to build constituency around their ideas to actually start considering and building momentum towards real social change. Again, this very grassroots perfectly maps to kind of the traditional concept of civil society of I'm angry and who's with me and let's go figure this out and maybe you formalize and you change the world. Great, great stuff. And this shift into a much more personal responsibility driven reality enabled by micro donations of time and money, the ease with which people can support social change, I hope will radically change our very concept of what is civil society. That isn't to say that traditional civil society isn't going to need the support of technology tools and services and the door-opening power of organizations like all of those represented on the show today. But I do believe that we're going to see a shift in the market from institutions to individuals. Mm. Thank you, Chris. Very important words. Okay, Nish Pengali, you're going to round this up. I give you exactly one minute. Go. I'll do it. I think we're going to see a a real shift from companies evaluating what they want to donate to even more community and social sector influence, uh, you know, driving what companies donate and and how they donate. So there will be more free technology solutions available to everyone, which will impact the relevance and benefit of what corporations like Microsoft and SAP donate and hopefully lead to even more partnerships and ecosystem developments. 
And corporations will keep a lot of these initiatives that we talked about today front and center and build them even higher. These are the companies that people want to work for and companies that people want to support. Um, so as we've touched upon today, I think more people in the community will be engaging in direct and virtual ways. And over time, more access to resources, larger networks, uh, more community organizing, all driving momentum around social change even higher. Thank you, Nish. And you know what? It's time for Bonnie's predictions. Mine don't go five years. They go to tomorrow. Hey, here we go. Tomorrow is Thursday. That means we have a new episode of Startup Focus with Game Changers, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Our show tomorrow will be number eight in the series, Pros and Cons of VC Funding. Here's a provocative idea. You're funded. What happens when you get in bed with the board? We'll leave that one to the panel to discuss. Next Tuesday, we launch a brand new series. Yes, we did 13 weeks of HR trends. Now we're launching Biz Buzz with Game changers. Can you say that three times fast? December 10th, show number one, marketing to millennials. Who, what, where, where, why, when, and how do they even want to be marketed to? I know I ended a sentence with a preposition. And next Wednesday, right here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, show number 114, Enterprise Mobility for Dummies, second edition. Yes, it's a book. And the subtitle of that show is You Can Run But You Can't Hide. I want to thank Chris Warman, Akhtar Badshot, Nish Pengali, wonderful panel, Interesting thoughts. Thank you so much for bringing us into your world of giving and donations and social change. And a shout-out also to Nish and to Brittany Loth for bringing us these wonderful topics. Malcolm Kimberlin on vacation this week, my co-producer. Brad and the Business Channel team, you're appreciated for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And I have a call to action for Nish and Chris and Akhtar. Fasten your seatbelts. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, signing off till tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.